0: He said that uh, we're, we're not going to continue to just go out and get free agents every year and have three and $400 million payrolls. Other owners have seen the same thing going on in the industry, and that is if you're the Philadelphia Phillies or you're the Arizona Diamondbacks and you were the sixth seed over the last two years and you got to the World Series, what is uh, the major difference between 85 and 95 or 100 wins? Uh, if uh, you have the equal chance in uh, October to go to the World Series.
1: Setup Nation, what is up? I am excited to have yet another Chicago Cubs expert on the show today. We've had a a number of recents that have been really fun conversations. Jordan Bastion with MLB.com. We had J.D. Jim Deshays from Marquee, the color man for the Chicago Cubs. And now today, Bruce Levine. And great timing, too, because we've just come off of a signing with Hector Neris. So we got to talk a little bit about that. Talked, of course, have to talk about Cody Bellinger. And really an interesting conversation about prospects, not just Cubs prospects, but how they have impacted, well, really how the playoff platform that MLB has laid out in the last couple of years, how they've impacted, how GMs and front offices have viewed prospects versus free agents and why it might be causing such a slow off season. So a really cool conversation. I'm really excited for you to hear Make sure before you listen, drop down with a comment. While you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, hit that notification bell. So, you know, every time we're coming out with content and if you're listening on the podcast, just leave a review. Can't tell you how much that helps us. So let's get to it right now with Bruce Levine and make sure you follow him on Twitter too, by the way, MLB Bruce Levine and give him some love. Let's get to it right now on the setup man podcast. All right, Bruce Levine. So excited to have you on the show. It was great meeting you at the winter meetings and seeing you again at CubsCon. but having you on here, I can't. I'm sure you probably can't believe it too. Over 30 years of working in Chicago, what's that feel like to look back on 30 years?
0: Well, it's, it's actually over 40 now. And, uh, 40? it's, um, it's, it's just, a, a very, uh, lucky situation that I'm in to have been able to, uh, cover sports in Chicago for all these years and still be considered, uh, viable in some areas. If you stay off of X, you know, <laughs> Some people still like my work.
1: A lot of people love your work. When I actually posted this on our YouTube channel and um, also on Twitter and all the places, everyone was like, "You got the goat! You got the guy!" So we're we're excited to have you on, man. Um, well, you know,
0: the one thing that I, I remain steadfast about, and that is whether I'm going up and down the elevator in my building, uh, talking to somebody, talking sports, Chicago sports, with somebody or on uh, the score, on uh, Marquis talking about the Cubs and the White Sox, Um, I don't see any difference. We're we're all great Chicago fans. Chicago sports fans are the greatest in the world. I'm fortunate to have made a living the last 40 years talking sports in Chicago. And, you know, I've just been lucky. I have friends who are doctors and lawyers. They'd say, other than the money they made, they would trade jobs with me in a minute.
1: That's awesome. You really are living the dream and excited to have you on. And I I honestly wasn't going to ask this question, but when I asked our audience on Twitter and all the other places, one question came up and you actually ended up responding. And I was like, that is the most interesting response I've seen so far about this slow off season. So I am going to ask the question. I would love for you to share what you're hearing from other GMs, other, Uh, personnel you know right in the front offices of why this has been such a slow off season
0: well first and foremost the uh, free agent class was a very weak one there's probably six or seven players that were really good I don't consider any of the guys other than Otani and maybe Yamamoto was remains to be seen that are superstar status yeah well, from from a a quality part of um of this free agent class compared to quantity quantity wins by far and people just weren't excited there there weren't that many guaranteed difference makers out there and if you look at the signings you're you know you're looking at guys left like bellinger and guys you know uh left uh, like uh snell you know these are accomplished guys they're good players but there's no guarantee that what the, they did last year, they're going to do again next year. And I guess in sports, there's never a guarantee. But the um, resume for for both these very good players has been up and down. You know, there's there hasn't been a, a linear movement to their careers. And that's why you still see them out there right now. Well, you also mentioned the
1: playoff spot, the additional playoff spot, that was intriguing to me. How do you think that that's played in with this slow off season?
0: Well, ownership uh, believes in the general managers they have and believe in their farm system, okay? They believe in the farm systems for two reasons. One, uh, and in particular, the Chicago Cubs who went in 2019 and 20, uh, when Tom Ricketts talked to Theo Epstein, the then president of the team, about uh building a farm system he said that uh, we're, we're not going to continue to just go out and get free agents every year and have three and four hundred million dollar payrolls we have right. to build from within and uh at that time Epstein in 2020 start uh, stepped down because he knew that the farm system wasn't quite there yet and it was going to be some losing to go forward he wasn't ready to be part of that so moving forward Other owners have seen the same thing going on in the industry. And that is if you're the Philadelphia Phillies or you're the Arizona Diamondbacks and you were the sixth seed over the last two years and you got to the World Series, what is uh, the major difference between 85 and 95 or 100 wins uh, if uh, you have the equal chance in uh, October to go to the World Series? Why should we overpay? Let's stick with our guys. Let's go with a plan that will augment what we have late in the year if we are a viable playoff team, and we'll approach it that way. Again, the Dodgers going through the playoffs eleven years in a row, won eleven out of twelve divisions, won over a hundred games four or five times, and they have one World Series victory to show for it. So with that, with that in mind, I think that. You've seen a slower off season and you may see uh, even more slow off seasons, you know, coming up because people believe that it's about investing in their minor league systems and building up from there. And that's the way to to build a winner. Now let's not be naive about the fact that every good franchise, if they want to be consistently good, has to bring in player through trade or free agents. Right to keep it going. You know, the Cubs didn't win the world series in 2016, only because of their farm system. They did it because they had good young players. They traded young players from their farm system, and then they plugged in viable free agents to help them win the world series. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Lester lackey Hayward. A lot of those guys. When, when you talk about that strategy though, you know, just thinking about it from a fan's per perspective, A lot of fans this offseason have been incredibly frustrated. Not just Cubs fans, but a lot of fans have been so frustrated with this slow offseason. And now hearing that if GMs are wanting to really just dive into their their minor league system, do you think that that creates a lot less buzz amongst the fans? You know, you look at the Dodgers. They got Otani and jack up the prices, and everyone's still going to go to those games because they're excited about Otani. Are they going to still be as excited about – Michael Bush and Jay like a big free agent signing.
0: Well, you know, not just Cub fans, but all the fans of the 29 other teams that didn't get Otani had a letdown. Okay. Mm-hmm. you know, Even the ones that weren't even rumored to be in on it. The idea was here's this great player, pitcher player who never existed since uh, Babe Ruth was in the game over a hundred years ago. And, We didn't get him. okay. so there was a natural letdown after Otani, right? Because everybody was watching Otani. Then they were watching Yamamoto. And uh, they were, you know, after these two guys were off the board, it was like, you know, what's what's left for our teams? You know, and the, the answer was, you know, we've already talked about it. It's not a great free agent class. Yeah. There are guys out there that are good, viable major leaguers. Are they five, six, seven, eight-year players? Do teams want to pay that much to gamble on that they're going to be as productive as they were in 2023?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and again, talking from a fan's perspective too, especially now that Tom Ricketts and the Ricketts family seem to be investing in other areas, uh, news coming out that they're part of uh, a group that's investing in the PGA I think maybe some fans look at that and say, like, well, why aren't you just investing in our team? Why aren't you just focusing all your money on our team? Um, What do you think about that?
0: Well, I I, look, I'm with the fans. I want the best possible product on the field for the Chicago teams every year. Uh, My job is to talk a little bit about the practicality of that and why things are happening and not happening, okay? I'm not a decision maker. I'm just a guy that reports... The news or the information that i have and with that in mind as a fan when i step away from my take my reporter's hat off and my uh sports talk show host hat off and sit back i i say the same thing you know like we want to win this year but the the practicality of having a plan for more than one year is something that every business does every big business and you know the Major League Baseball business is $12 billion industry a year and going up. Uh, there are plans made beyond just one year, unless you're Stephen Cohn for a year or you're uh, you know, you're, you're a, an owner that just wants to spend and try to win yeah. uh, that year. Uh, you, and even the Stephen Cohn's of the world who went and spent every dollar he could and got a over $300 million payroll and, Guys got hurt and all of a sudden he backs up and he's a different owner now than he was uh, two years ago. So Mm -hmm. from the perspective of uh, reality, as a fan, I want the teams to spend and win. Uh, If it doesn't work out, okay, you know, I'm just a fan. I either go to the games or I don't. I certainly support the teams through uh, listening on the radio, watching on television, buying uh, MLB products just like everybody else. But the reality is, is that uh, you know, for Jed Hoyer to have a, a long-term plan, or for Chris Getz with the White Sox to have a long-term plan, that's that's part of uh, what business is all about. Fans don't want to be concerned with that; they just want to know that in 2024 their team's going to win. The one nice area for fans uh, over the last 10 or 12 years that wasn't really a big part of it in the past is. They are tremendously educated about their teams and the minor league systems. Okay. Mm -hmm. They understand, they understand, you know, how minor league players work, how they don't always all come up and help your team. Some of them are used in trades, some of them uh, just create perception. Right now, the Chicago Cubs have the perception of being the top three or four minor league systems with really good players. And other teams pay attention to that. Other teams want those players, and therefore it creates a a stronger position for the Chicago Cup front office to work from when they're in a situation like free agency and that they don't have to uh, bend over to accept any free agents that are pushed their way. They have other options. They have Pete Crow Armstrong. They have Michael Bush. They have young pitchers coming up like – Orton and um, and uh, and Brown are are going to be guys that are be in the rotation. They have uh, other viable ways of competing, and I think for Cub fans, it's a little it's a little difficult to uh, look at because they are not used to minor leaguers being a big part of this team. Yes, in 2014 and 15, you were getting the promotions of Bryant. You were getting the promotions of Schwarber. You were seeing the uh, benefits of um, Javier Baez being a number one pick. Uh, You were seeing Wilson Contreras coming around in 2016. So you saw young players coming through their system that were great young players, but um, as far as the abundance of players, both pitchers and position players, uh, this is the first time I think the Cubs have had pitchers coming through their system that were considered viable major leaguers since, uh, the time of, uh, uh, you know, Carrie Wood and Carlos Zambrano and Mark Pryor. It's right. been that long. It's been 20 years. It's been a long time. I, I think that's a good transition right now to kind of
1: talk about Cubs prospects, uh, MLB Pipeline came out with their top 100 list. Seven Cubs players on that list. That's the first time the Cubs have had that many players on the top 100 list since 2014. They also had six in 2015 and 16. How do you compare this list and this, you know, farm system that the Cubs have now maybe back to that 2014 to 2016
0: stretch for the Cubs? Well, I mean in retrospect, you you, you compare it uh, favorably, but you don't necessarily, I mean, there was hardly anybody in the sport of baseball that didn't think that, um, uh, that Chris Bryan was going to be a superstar. Right. As it turned out, he was a superstar, but was, it's been more brief than it has been for the career that a lot of us projected him to have due to injury and whatever. He just hasn't quite been the same player the last four or five years. But the reality was, is that you had Anthony Rizzo, who they traded for and was developing into a star player. You had uh, Brian coming, you had Schwarber, okay? You had had position players uh, that you could count on. And then Epstein and Hoyer plugged in the rest with free agents along the way, spent spent a lot of money on free agent pitching. Uh, This time around, you know, with uh, the top young pitchers that they have in the organization that are coming along. I think they, they feel a lot better about it. You saw some of these guys in the bullpen, you saw uh, Mm -hmm. certainly Steele be one of the top young pitchers in baseball last year. So you see pitching emerging in this group that really wasn't really there at all uh, for that uh, prior group that was based on position players making their way through as uh, star players in the league.
1: So one of the things that I look at when I see this prospect list right is you know you're not having the Bryants, the Russells, the Biases that are in the top 10 but it also doesn't feel like you know some of those guys that were on those lists from almost 10 years ago now were Billy McKinney and Dwayne Underwood Jr right and they didn't amount to much. I don't think I look at this list and say hey you know the the basement feels i guess a little bit higher on this list when i look at this and prospects are prospects until they actually do something but you know is that kind of how you maybe look at this too that the basement is maybe a little bit higher but the ceilings maybe a little bit lower
0: it could be i mean we don't know up until uh 14 at bats in september uh, everybody was drooling over pete crow armstrong right yeah. i mean he was a can't miss guy and then he came up and you know, he showed uh, tremendous ability in some areas and tremendous uh, lack of uh, experience in others when he played. Again, it was a brief period, but it shows you how fickle people are when it comes to these players. You know, he comes up and he has, you know, 14 batted bats and all of a sudden, uh, we don't want him to be the center fielder yet. We're not sure he's going to be good enough, right? Yeah. So if you if you said he wasn't up in September and that he was going to be vying for the center field job this spring, would you feel different about Pete Crow Armstrong right now than you do right now? I think that you know we live in such a society where it's about what you don't do rather than what you do mm-hmm. and there's a there's been created some doubt there. why did the Dodgers trade? Michael Bush, if he was the MVP of the Pacific Coast League last year, why didn't they keep him? Why are, did we get duped by trading one of our our very best young pitchers in this deal down the road for a guy that might be another big swing and miss guy, and maybe not, you know, what the Cubs are projecting him as, and that is the everyday first baseman who could hit 30 home runs and drive in 100 runs. Those are the things we're going to have to wait to see. We're going to have to wait to see if this uh, works out or not, but. Getting back to your original question, I I think there was more, you know, there was more belief in the Rizzo's and the Bryant's and the Schwarber's uh, back in 14 and 15 than there might be in the Crow Armstrong's and uh, the Bushes right now. Yeah, I think
1: there's a lot of buzz still around PCA. There's a ton of buzz around Horton, ton of buzz around Bush. When you look at a guy like Matt Mervis, who only got kind of the same – Treatment is what you're talking about with PCA he got 99 plate appearances. And it's like, everyone's forgot about him. Right. Uh, you think about Anthony Rizzo the first year he came up, he was terrible. Right. And I think people forget about that. So when I look at this roster and I know that the front office has said, Hey, Michael Bush first base, but is there a world where Matt Mervis gets another shot and maybe Bush just because of his defense is slotted into DH or because there is no answers at third base right now, gets slotted over to third.
0: Well, it, it, I mean, any of those things could happen, uh, especially because we're not figuring in uh, injury at this point. Okay. Right. So, you know, I'm not wishing this on any player, but, uh, Bush gets injured at first base you know then the whole equation changes right so if is Bellinger on the team okay yes all right who's our first baseman it's Bellinger who's in center field oh it's Armstrong if Bush is on the team and Bellinger signs is Armstrong at, at AAA to start the season so <clears throat> there's a lot of unknowns we don't know who the third baseman is is Morell the third baseman is there going to be uh <clears throat> And he, uh, and he pushed to sign Chapman to a, a pillow contract, a one-year deal, so that uh, he becomes the Cody Bellinger for the Cubs this year, where he didn't see the marketplace being out there for him. He reestablishes himself, has a great year on a one-year, $20 million deal with the Cubs, and they yeah. uh, they go to the playoffs with him. These are all still play in play and viable as we speak here on January 31st. So since you mentioned Bellinger, let's just go ahead
1: and ask the question. You know, John Morosi earlier, I want to say this month or it was end of December, said that the Cubs are the most likely landing spot for Bellinger. Yet he comes out a couple days or a couple, uh, I think it was a couple days ago, might have been yesterday, where he says there is no deal. The club the Cubs and the and Cody Bellinger are not close on a deal. What do you realistically think is the chances of him wearing a Cubs uniform again next year?
0: Well, I, I still think it's it's a it's a practical. I, I think that Scott Boris, the agent, is looking for a longer term contract for right. Bellinger. And you know, at age 28, this is the optimum time for him to sign a, a seven or eight year deal. I don't think there's a seven or eight year deal out there. Okay. Yeah. I don't think the Cubs are interested in going that long. You know, you hear five years, you hear six years. You hear uh, him getting out after uh, being able to opt out after two years on a contract. Uh, You know, again, these are all things that are are probably in play, but the marketplace just hasn't been uh, that robust for Bellinger. You know, certainly the Giants would be interested in a player like Bellinger. Certainly Toronto would be. Uh, there are other teams that could use a versatile defensive star at two different positions, who's a left-handed bat with power. Uh, again, this guy was terrific for the Cubs. In some ways, very underrated because he missed an entire month. Yeah. Okay. So if you project his numbers, and he missed a month, and he still had the most RBIs. If you still believe in that statistic yeah. of any player in baseball from. Uh, The All-Star game on last year, he had 68 RBIs. Uh, I'm still a a believer in runs and RBIs. Runs, that's how you win games. Runs batted in are guys that uh, put the bat on the ball when people are on base and and drive in people. I I don't think you can ever get away from those numbers being important. And in this case, this guy was a really, really good player. Uh, Would I want to bet – that he can do this five or six years in a row, yeah. it's not my money, it's not my call. But that's what that's what uh, Jed Hoyer and uh, Carter Hawkins and the Cubs front office has to figure out here. And whether or not they're willing to play chicken with one of the greatest uh, um, agents in the history of the game who is out there trying to drum up more business for his player.
1: I love the way that show Timonaga's contract was developed because it was right. Two years guaranteed. If you perform well, it can turn into four years. And if you do even well during the years, three and four and then it becomes a five-year deal. What do you think that Boris or Bellinger would go for something like that? Because I think that for a guy that's unknown because he's been so up and down, that seems like a pretty friendly contract on both sides.
0: Bellinger's Bellinger will never have in the this is just my way I'm looking at this. Okay, according to his agent, he'll never have a more peak situation than he has right now. Okay, coming off of a, a terrific year, uh, you know, betting on himself by signing a one year deal with the Cubs doing everything and more that anyone would have ever expected. Coming back to the form that found him to be a rookie of the year and a National League MVP, having played on a world championship team, a left-handed viable hitter with power, uh, a guy that made adjustments to, uh, to the point where the metrics people hated him because of the adjustments because he took a two-strike approach and started hitting balls softly to left field for base hits. Okay. Yeah. Metrics people hate it. Uh scouting people love it that he made an adjustment. He made adjustments and had the highest batting average of his career. He was still producing for the team, even though it wasn't hard contact that metrics people wanted all the time. So from from what he did, he did everything he could. And, and now he's 28 going on 29 to show that he's worth a long-term contract. Okay. People don't well, necessarily believe that it's going to be consistent because of the two previous years where he hit uh, 165 and, uh, and, two, and 210. Okay. <clears throat> they don't necessarily believe that he can't slump again. But from Boris's point of view, he's got a guy that should be getting $30 million a year for seven or eight years, and he's not hearing those numbers.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I guess that's where the frustration comes from as a fan is like, if you're playing this game of chicken and 30 teams out there aren't willing to give you what you're looking for, at what point do you just look in the mirror and say, Hey, I mean, maybe I do another pillow contract, like what you're talking about and show that it is the real deal. And then when I'm 30 now ask for the five years or six years or more.
0: Well, there's an element of uh, gambling away uh, the ability to ever make $30 million a year when you Mm. look at it that way. I think, you know, the practical agent that Boris has been is, hey, I I don't care if my player signs in uh, December or February. We have a number that we think he's worth. The marketplace indicates that's what he's worth. If you want to fill a role on your team, with a left-handed power bat that can give you a gold glove at first or center or both, our guy is your guy. He's only looking for one person to agree with him, and for the most part in Boris's career, he's found that person. That's why he's been hugely successful of, a, you know, a 100 million dollar industry called uh, Boris Corporation. You know, he's he's that good and people are drawn to him. He's not the agent for everybody. But he certainly has proved that he uh, he gets the money for his, his top stars. Right now, in this marketplace, it appears there's a disconnect of uh, what he believes the player is worth and what the teams are offering.
1: Okay. Bruce, let's pivot really quick. What do you think of the narrow signing?
0: I, I love the narrow signing because it shows great intelligence on the part of the uh, Chicago Cubs front office. It's a power pitcher. guy that's had uh, more appearances than anybody over the last uh, three years, averages 70 appearances. He's 35, had a great year last year, although his strikeout to walk ratio uh, was a little different. He walked more people than he had, but uh, he gave up less hits. Uh, ZRA was really low. More importantly, the guy posts, you know, 70 appearances, 70 appearances, 70 appearances. And the risk is $9 million with an option, uh, So that if he doesn't make 60 appearances this year, the option doesn't kick in the 60 appearances would pretty much guarantee you that he's pretty much like the pitcher he's been in the past in 2024, meaning a productive guy that goes out there and gives you a a good outing. So I I love it. I think the the Cubs need at least a couple more guys for their bullpen. I don't think they'll be shy about spending for it. If they can, there's still good arms out there. They, You know, the one area that I think I've missed and other uh, people that watch the Cubs miss is that the Cubs can make some of these things happen via trade, Mm -hmm. okay? They can make some viable trades here that really impact their team. They already did it with Bush, they hope, and they they could do it again. You know, is Christopher Murrell going to be a starting third baseman for the Cubs starting DH, or is he going to bring back a big pitcher or a – another position player for you that fits in uh, more directly with what you're looking for with 2024 and beyond.
1: Yeah. I think there's a lot of questions surrounding trades right now. I think also not just Christopher Morel, but you look at now the bullpen situation, you got 13 ish guys competing for eight spots. I mean, if, you're looking to trade anyone. I think some of those guys, especially a young guy like Wisniewski out of the bullpen that you're just not quite sure where he fits on the team at the moment. Who would be some guys that you think are kind of, if there is going to be a trade still coming from the Cubs that they're the odd men's out, odd men out.
0: Well, I, I, Wisniewski and Assad, I think we don't hear enough talk about Assad. Okay. Yeah. He was, he was a guy that helped them stay, keep their act together at all going down the stretch in September. He was good. so valuable out of the bullpen. He was such a, an outstanding spot starter for them. Uh, I, I don't think you trade in Assad, maybe a Wesneski, but, you know, again, working on some different pitches, via. Uh, 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 even though he's not a huge power arm, he's a good pitcher. I, I think the Cubs have learned that pitching depth like Wesneski and Assad are too valuable to trade unless you're getting more pitching back. So I would be surprised if they went in anything other than a deal that brought back more pitching.
1: Okay. With that being said, if if it's not one of them, who do you think it would be if, and again, this is completely speculation. Well,
0: again, I don't know. You know, a lot of people like Brown. Uh, He hasn't thrown a pitch for the Cubs at the major league level yet. He was acquired, you know, in a deal two years ago. Is he somebody that uh, could go on a deal with some other young players and bring back what your needs are for this year and next? These are really good things. If you're a Cub fan, these are really good uh, problems to have because other teams really do like your players and it really would consider them an upgrade to some of the players they have in their organization. Uh, for home teams and their fan bases, it's hard sometimes to feel – the value that other franchises, other general managers have of your players. And its I think it's going to be a refreshing time for Cub fans to see, you know, guys like Glaber Torres or uh, guys like Eloy Jimenez or guys like Dylan Cease getting traded, but you at the the, re, the residual effect is that, is that maybe you go to another two World Series and these young players who are in your system – our star players somewhere else. It's the beauty of the game of baseball.
1: I love it. Bruce has been a lot of fun and we are going to end with a few questions from our fans. Uh, Again, guys, if you are not already subscribed to the YouTube channel, if you're not following us on Instagram and um, all of our socials, please do, because anytime we have a great guest like Bruce on, we're always going to give you a chance to ask some questions. So ready to answer a few fan questions, Bruce? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. The first one is, uh, from Milo. He posted this one on YouTube. He says, when do you expect the big four with Boris to sign? Uh, is it going to be before spring training starts after spring training starts? You see the Cubs grabbing one of those guys, of course, referring to Bellinger, uh, Chapman, Montgomery, and Snell.
0: There's no predicting Scott Boris. Okay. (laughs) He is going to get the best deal possible for his player. And contrary to opinion of, you know, some people, he doesn't control these players. His job is to get the optimum amount in the right place where the player and his family want to go. They don't want to go. They're the ones that have the final say so. So from that perspective uh, there's no predicting. Remember superstars, you know, that he's had before have signed uh, after spring training has started. You know, okay, I mean, Bryce Harper signed with Philadelphia after spring training started, what, four or five years ago. Yeah, I think it was like two or three weeks into spring training. I want to say it was worked out pretty good for Philadelphia. Yeah,
1: (laughs) pretty well, for sure. All right. Next question. Also from YouTube, from Matthew. Some projections have the Cubs winning 76 games. Do you agree with that? And does the potential addition of Bellinger actually make this team good enough to make the playoffs?
0: Yeah, I I don't do the I, I mean David Haw and I do our projections uh, the first week before uh, the season starts that Saturday on the score. I hate doing it because you can never project injuries. Okay, all you can do is look at depth. I would say that I would say last year I projected the Cubs would win eighty five games. Um, you know, it was just it was a call based on you know, good health and some young players coming through it. Evidently it did, you know, they came close to that. I would say I would be comfortable again saying, you know, 83 to 85 wins for the Cubs. And who's to say that doesn't uh, allow them to go back to the playoffs at this point, you know, that that could happen. I, I think there's a tremendous amount of parity in major league baseball. And uh, we've seen it the last two years with Arizona going to the World Series, Philadelphia going to the World Series, both of them only winning, you know, 83, 85 games. So it's uh, it's a real crapshoot. 162 games doesn't uh, give you much other than the fact that you need to get into the tournament at the end. Yeah, especially when you've
1: got a ton of rookies that are going to be making their debuts. Plus show Tim You have no idea what he's going to do. So there's a lot, a lot of parody for sure. Uh question from Michael on YouTube, which prospect are you most excited to watch this year?
0: Well, now that Bush is there, it's, it's going to be him. It was originally, it was Armstrong, but uh, for me, it's Bush. And then uh, uh, Horton, uh, you know, coming in in uh, the middle of the year, uh, everybody in the Cub organization believes by July, that he's going to be a viable part of the rotation. So uh, I'm excited to watch him. I think anytime you have a pitcher that I don't think people think necessarily that he is um, the next, the next coming of Kerry Wood or, or those guys, but they feel that he's going to be a top of the rotation pitcher. So uh, I, I'm excited to see a cup pitcher of that ilk come up, but I also want to see how Bush's, uh, Career in the minor leagues, plays at the major league level. I think that'll be fun to watch. You know whether or not uh, that's going to be success over the first base. I love it.
1: I love it. Last question on Twitter slash X from Captain Tater Tot. Gotta love the name. Uh, does Matt Chapman not fit in perfectly with the Cubs' plan of run pre- prevention? Uh, they already have three Gold Glove winners from last
0: year plus PCA coming up. Yeah, I mean, he does. You know, I, I think at third base, uh, you know, it's it's an important position. It's I think because they have gold gloves at short and second, that, that they could get by a little bit without a gold glove or a third base. Uh, I, the one worry you have about Chapman is that his power numbers were down last year. After uh, two really great months, uh, he really petered out offensively uh, last year. Uh, I, I think he's a very good player. I, I don't know if he's the difference maker in the lineup uh, that they want. Uh, when the season ended, I thought the most important thing for Cub offense was to bring back Bellinger or a left-handed bat, uh, like Bellinger and not too many out there and another run production bat. I, I just don't think that um, uh, Ian Happ, who is a very good player, is best suited to be batting third in the uh, lineup on a daily basis. He, yeah. He's a productive player higher up in the uh, order, maybe even lower in the order. He's proved to be a, a good outfielder and a productive hitter, but he's, he's not a number three hitter ideally on your team going into 2024.
1: Okay. I've got one final question for you. We've talked a lot about, you know, there's holes potentially at third base, not quite sure what first base looks like maybe not quite sure in center field, maybe another guy or two in the bullpen. What's the most likely next move, especially before a spring training, that you see the, for the Cubs, not necessarily who, just what position do you see Jed Hoyer needing to make a move on?
0: They need a, a middle of the order bat. Okay. with the, Whether it's, it's Bellinger or let's say trade uh, that they have to solidify. Look, I think they were sixth in baseball in uh, in runs scored, but if you take those fifteen games where they scored in double digits out of there, the, the, it's it's not the, it's not the same equation. Okay, mm. it's not like they were putting up five or six runs a game, especially at the end of the year when their their tongues were hanging out and they were not producing hardly any runs at all. So I, I believe that uh, you know a viable middle of the order bat is essential for the Cubs. I know Scott Boris is, depending on that being Bellinger or uh, Chapman or a combination of both, uh, Cubs have to be stealth and looking at the trade market and seeing what else really works for them out there.
1: Okay. Bruce Levine with 670, the score, and a contributor with Marquee. We appreciate you jumping on here, being a part of the Setup Man channel. Uh, here's to you know some more moves and hopefully some excitement before spring training. Kyle, my
0: pleasure. Enjoy it. Keep up the great work, okay?
1: Thank you, Bruce. A middle-of-the-order bat. What do you think about that, Setup Nation? Is that what you want the most? Would you rather have another starting pitcher? Would you rather have third base figured out? Would you rather have a couple more relievers? drop in the comments. If you're watching on YouTube, let me know what you would like to see Jed Hoyer do. And as always, make sure that you are subscribed, make sure you are turning on that notification bell. So, you know, every single time we've got some new great content coming out about the Chicago Cubs. And again, big thanks to Bruce Levine. Super honored to have him on the show. Uh, I want to have him back on for sure, especially maybe in the middle of the season when we're talking about trade deadline and who the Cubs might be picking up because they're in a playoff race. How about that? All right, that's going to do it, Setup Nation. I'm going to go put my arm on ice. We'll see you next time.